Early Childhood Development. Each week we talk about a different stage of children development and what children need. And now, here comes your host. Hello everybody and welcome. My name is Taryn and you are listening to The Parent Thing. I have Amanda Mathis with us today. She is going to join us because I want to know about potty training. I saw a video of hers on TikTok and I was like, hey, you want to come on my podcast? And she's like, yeah. And so here we are. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, I am so excited to be here and talk about potty training because it is like all the hype right now. It absolutely is. And I have, so I can't call myself an expert in potty training at all because I've not potty trained, like solely potty trained a child, right? But I have my own little opinions about potty training. So I'd like (laughs) to get into it, you know, to hear what is actually good and what is not so good and all of that. But before we get into it, can you tell me or tell us more about yourself? Who are you? Yes. So I am Amanda. I am a pediatric occupational therapist. I graduated from occupational therapy school about four years almost to the day, which seems crazy to me because I feel like I just got started in the world of OT and it's already been four years. So I am a pediatric occupational therapist. I am originally from Pennsylvania, but have spent the last 10 years kind of bopping around the southeast of the United States from Florida, South Carolina, and Charlotte. And I just love it down here. And I have worked between hospitals, clinics. um, And now for the last two years, I've been doing early intervention, which is essentially in-home therapy for infants and toddlers. Sometimes I see kids a little bit older, but my typical age range is about six months up to four years. So right in that hot spot for potty training. That's amazing. First of all, congratulations and happy anniversary (laughs) for your occupational therapy anniversary. That's awesome. Four years is, time flies actually. It does. It really does. So tell me, how did you become a potty training expert? Like how did you, like with, I know that occupational therapy is an umbrella that covers a lot. Uh, What was it that intrigued you so much about the potty training aspect of it? Yeah, it's a really great question. You know, I think a lot of families don't know where to turn. And, you know, like I said, there's no handout that's really given to parents on raising children in general. And so you're like, is my kid ready to start? I don't know what to do. They seem to be interested in it, but I don't really know what to do from here. And so a lot of the families I was working with were struggling with this and their kids were turning three, turning four, and they still were not potty training. And it seemed like they were hitting a wall. Once the kids kind of got stuck in their routines of being in their pull-ups or diapers, they didn't want to potty train. And so Mm -hmm. I started, you know, researching a little bit on like, when is the right age to start? And like, what are those signs and how can I help educate parents on recognizing these signs in a welcoming way for them to be like, okay, maybe my child is ready to start. And I do have the confidence and the tools to do this on my own and rather quickly too. That's amazing. So growing up, one of my grandmothers was a day mother. So she had 
she always had babies in the house that she was um, looking after during the day because the kids weren't in preschool, but their parents had to go to work. So she was just the day mother that had the children during the day and she did potty training. I have a little bit of trauma from her potty training methods. And I cannot wait to hear this. <laughs> so, so she would, oh gosh, I'm sorry, Granny, for exposing you, but she would put the children on the potty. So she had this little wooden, it was super cute, like a wooden chair. It looked like a chair, but it had a potty in the chair. So she would put them there for hours. And it was like behind a closed door, not in the bathroom, but next to the bathroom, but like behind a closed door. And they had to sit there. They just had to sit there until something came out. And when there were accidents, the consequence was not good. I'm not, I'm not going to go into it, but the consequence was not good. It was bad. But like deep down, I knew like, this can't be right. Like this cannot be how you potty train a child like this can't be it. So I've seen the extreme version of potty training. So she used to, once she used to tell the parents, once this, once this diaper comes off, it's off, you do not put it back on. Mm-hmm. You let them run bareback, you, you know, so she preferred to train in the spring, summer, when it was warmer so that they could run around bareback or whatever. And then I've seen parents who will let their children uh, wear underwear during the day and then do the diaper at night. But that goes into like, or even I've seen five, almost six-year-olds stolen diapers at night. And then I'm like, oh, that's a bit of a problem. So let's talk a little bit about, first of all, potty training readiness before we get into methods. Yeah. And I think it's super important. I think some kids show signs super early and it almost shocks parents. Like, is my kid 16 months and really ready to potty train already? But I do genuinely think once infants and toddlers are up and walking around and starting to move. If they're starting to show the signs, like I say, dive in the earlier, the better. And that neuroplasticity in babies and toddlers brains, they are just learning and taking in so easily, you know, for me and you to learn new information, we're going to have to like sit there and study and take it in and go over it a hundred times. Like kids, you know, they learn like that, you know, their brains are super fluid. So I say the earlier they're showing these signs, the better. So the first thing I'm looking for is, can they follow simple directions? Like, go get your shoes. Can you bring mommy the cup? You know, if they're able to understand language in that simple aspect of like following little directions, that's a really good sign that they're starting to show the awareness of things Mm -hmm. like potty training. Um, And even if they're showing signs just slightly aware that they've went like they're starting to pull at their pull up or pamper after it's wet they're walking to a corner to poop like they're really like they're aware that I have to go somewhere to do my business and I feel it coming on so I'm gonna go hide under the table or hide in the corner whatever you know they're doing when they have to go to the bathroom that's a really good sign that they may be able to take themselves to the bathroom if they're able to take themselves to the corner under the table whatever it may be Another good sign being able to stay dry for 90 minutes to two hours. If they're not constantly just releasing, they might be showing signs that they're starting to have that bladder control that it takes Mm -hmm. to learn potty training. Um, And then, you know, just showing interest in potty training in general. If they're going in the bathroom, they're interested in you going on there. They want to sit on there like, hey, 
let's go forward with that confidence and, you know, excitement about being in the bathroom and try to start, you know, if, if it doesn't work the first time, then, okay, we'll try again later, you know, but I think that that interest in the potty is a huge indicator of like, all right, let's get this thing started. I saw a video not too long ago of, I can't pronounce her name, but she's the actress that played um, Amy in The Big Bang Theory, Sheldon's wife. Oh, I don't know her name either. I love her. Mayim Bully something, Mayim something. Yes. So I saw a video of her. She was being interviewed on a podcast. And you, you know that she's a scientist in real life, right? Yes, I have heard that, which is crazy. It is. So she was talking about how when she had her babies, they never wore a diaper. She started like literally potty training from birth. They never wore a diaper. She says that she saw signs and she caught it like immediately. And obviously it's not the easiest route to go, but that's the way that she went. Uh, I'm going to look for that video and send it to you. It was quite interesting. But I know that a lot of parents can't really do that because I mean, for me it's just like what does the baby even know understand or whatever but anyway that was hers and it worked for her and it worked for her family and I just thought like that's so extreme but very very interesting so Mm -hmm. that was her method of potty training what (laughs) what other methods other than the one my granny used (laughs) parents use to uh to train their children but let's not just talk about the ones that are good let's talk about potty training methods that you've seen that you weren't in favor of and why yeah and you know we can start with that example from the girl from big bang theory it's actually called elimination communication i don't really understand why it's called that because it has nothing to do with communication but it is a potty training method that I see commonly on social media, I see parents posting about it and some people really do have success with it. And I don't know, I learning how the body works and about bladder control and, you know, the brain bladder connection and how that forms as we age. I don't really know how it works besides the fact that you're catching your child every single time they go and maybe potty training becomes easier once they have that brain bladder connection because they've never used a pull-up so that just doesn't Mm -hmm. even become there's no fear with the potty you know from birth they have a really positive relationship with the potty with releasing not into a pull-up so I can definitely see why it's beneficial because a lot of kids do struggle with the fear and anxiety around pooping in a potty whether it's Mm -hmm. just like the release of it into open air that feels goofy or you know the flushing noises so I definitely see the positives of that. I don't know if I would ever be able to use that with my own children because I don't think I'm going to have the time for that (laughs) watching them at, you know, all times of the day, but it's definitely one method. And, you know, like your, your grandmother and her strategy, it, it definitely hurts my soul a little bit because, you know, I think the punishment part of it is hard. And it's one thing that I coach families on all the time is, if your child's having accidents during this, it's not a punishment, you know, mm. had, you know, they are trying to learn how to control their body and learn the feelings of what this feels like the difference between having to pee and poop, you know, we kids have to learn the difference in those sensations, right. the difference between hunger and thirst, you know, those are internal body systems that are developing in toddlers. So it's really important to not be fear-based and punishment-based when going into this strategy and 
obviously kids hate sitting still, you know, so anything more than, you know, two minutes, if they don't have to go, they're not going to go at two minutes. They're probably not going to go at 15 minutes. You know, at that point, they're just going to be uncomfortable and withholding. So those are two kind of extreme strategies that I don't typically recommend. Um, Elimination communication, if you want to go that route, parents, you totally can. I would love to hear how it goes. And if your child is successful (laughs) with it, um, I think it's super interesting as well. And if a scientist is using it, then, hey, it may be a good route for some people. But I will say my favorite method is, you know, trying to be a short term when your kid is ready for it, that like three day method that is often talked about. There's a whole book on it, on using the strategy, but I really feel like, especially for typically developing children, that three day method is super, super impactful. And with the majority of families I see, it really does work. If there's no issues going on, there's nothing going on with constipation, you know, there's no deficits in sensory processing, communication, anything like that. The three-day method is my go-to suggestion. You want to talk us through the three-day method? Like, what does it look like? Yeah. And so with the three-day method, you are deciding ahead of time, like, I've seen all these signs of readiness. My kiddo's ready. We've been talking about this and you decide as a family, all right, this is the day on the calendar. We are going to start potty training. So you head to the store, you pick out all the fun new underwear, you pick out little treats, you pick out a board that they're going to get check marks or stickers on for each time they go. You buy all fun, different liquids, you know, you are getting the house ready for potty training before you even start. And when the day comes, you know, I would recommend talking your child through this before you start, you know, you're reading pottying books, you're showing them the sounds, you're letting them practice, sit on the potty, whether it's with their pull up and close on with them off, you know, whatever, you know, the family wants to practice. And it's more just about exposure and fun relationship with the bathroom and the potty. And, you know, when that day comes to really truly start, it's hard for a lot of families. I think now that most families, two parent households, the parents are both working. And if it's a single parent household, even more, the mom or dad is working full time and they're like, I don't have time for this. But if it's possible for your family to take a long weekend to practice this, that is going to be your best chance for success with this method because you want eyes on your child all day long. You get them in their underwear. The pull-ups are no longer an option. Kind of like you were saying, you know, with your grandmother, like once they're out, they're out. You have to make that decision in your mind. Like we are not turning back from here. This is what we're doing. It might be a little messy. Roll up your carpets in the living room. If you have them, (laughs) spend time outside if you can. Um, And, you know, really watch them and watch for those signs. Are they starting to do a little dance and Prior to starting, if you can be aware of what their signs are for going in their diaper, it might make it a little easier to know the signs for each kid. But a lot of them, you know, they do kind of that similar dance. They might go to the corner to hide. They sneak off to go if they're showing readiness. And so you're kind of watching them and, oh, do you have to go potty? Okay. We go to the bathroom. About every 30 minutes, I would say, is probably a good indication if they aren't showing the signs, like maybe we should go in the bathroom and try 30 minutes to an hour, you know, between each time. However, part of this method is giving your children lots and lots of liquids. So 
we want that bladder to feel full. Typically throughout my day, if I'm not focused on drinking my water, I can just sip on my water all day. Like I might have to go, but I could probably hold it. You know, I, I'm not going to die if I don't go to the bathroom, but if I'm chugging my water, I cannot even make it to the next room before I have to sit down and go, you know, so really getting that bladder full. So they feel like, Ooh, I have to, I have to go. And so we don't want to drown them out by any means, but I promise most kids are not getting enough liquids as it is. So giving them an extra juice box or an extra cup of water throughout the day is not going to cause any kind of medical issues. So that's what I, you know, when we go to the store and are buying the liquids, that's why I'm like, if they want to pick out fun juices and whatever else that's going to motivate them or a little Mio drops or whatever it may be to motivate them to get them drinking more liquids, those three days, it's super important. And as they go, you know, every family is going to be different. If your kid seems to be going every 30 minutes, take them every 30 minutes. If they can hold it a little bit longer, you know, you don't have to go quite as often, but the important thing is when they're on that potty, not making them sit for five to 10 minutes at a time. If they get up there and they don't have to go, then, okay, that's all right. Let's keep playing. And we can try again in a little bit. Let me, let me know. Let mommy know when you have to go potty, if you feel it, feel those tingles and see if you can get them to start communicating with you. But that first day is probably going to be parent led all the way. Like you are taking them a lot, a lot to the bathroom. So when you do the three day method and you take those pampers away, Does that include overnight? That is a huge question I get a lot of the time. And so I, I think the true three-day method, you are supposed to like the book and the strategies that everyone follows you're supposed to, but in my experience, a lot of kids just don't have the capability to hold the bladder for eight to 10 hours. It's just physically impossible for a lot of kids as they're building those pelvic floor muscles and that brain bladder connection. So I definitely recommend still trying to implement the nighttime potty training, which is just having them not drinking liquids so close to bedtime, you know, cutting off those liquids two hours before bed and making sure they're going at least two times before they get into bed at night. However, you know, I do think a lot of kids will still need the pull-ups in order for them not to be waking up with wet legs and a wet bed and rashes. So if your child does not seem to be able to hold it through the night, once they're waking up dry, get rid of those pull-ups all the way. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, some kids will end up waiting until they go to bed at night for pooping. And that's the biggest problem that I feel like families run into with using the pull-ups at night. Otherwise, most kids are pretty, pretty comfortable and cool with They know their nighttime pull-ups are for bed and their undies are for daytime until they're ready to hold it throughout the night. But that usually is related to constipation. And that's like a whole other thing I can (laughs) go on a tangent with if they're, you know, withholding to go at night. Okay. So I want to ask you about potties, like an actual little potty that is not the toilet. I personally, I'm not a fan. I hate them. I hate cleaning them. I hate that you're going to have to teach a child to do the thing twice. I hate potties. How do you feel about them? (laughs) I will agree with you. I think that it will be a lot easier for parents if they just start with the big potty Mm -hmm. because they are getting the true experience of the sounds, the splashing of the waters, the... I like to use um, 
the step stool strategy, right. which is essentially, we want a potty that has a smaller round seat with handles and steps. So right. if you can't buy the whole set, you don't want to get one, that's totally fine. You can get a little one that goes on top and then you can get a step stool that you create out of a diaper box or an old kitchen step stool or, you know, whatever it may be, but we want kids sitting with their feet in a 90 degree angle at the hip, knee and ankle. So we want them to feel supported and upright when they're sitting. So that way they can push us as adults. We don't have our feet dangling when we're trying to do our business. We don't want our kids that way either. So the floor potties are helpful in that sense that they're perfect size to get them sitting and able to push and they feel supported. And I think that's why a lot of families lean towards them because they do feel like their kid is comfortable on there and kids feel comfortable on them too. They're like, Oh, Hey, this is cool. But it does often lead to issues later on with trying to transition to full-size potties. So if you're able to, as parents, you know, start with that big potty first, you are probably going to have better long-term success than using the small potties and, you know, get a cute little small potty for when they're really little. If you want to just have them playing and sitting around it and whatever, just to get them introduced to the concept or to have one in your backseat of your car. I know a lot of families with SUVs will plop one of those in the back. And that way, when they're traveling, if their kids don't want to go into the yucky public bathrooms, you know, they can kind of sit down and do it that way. So I don't necessarily hate it, but I do think that it makes life easier on everybody. If you just start with a big potty from the get-go. I agree. I, I definitely agree. But I just want you to know, like from a from an expert perspective, am I just being a little anal or is there some merit to my training thought? <laughs> you got the right idea. <laughs> awesome. So I'm going to expose another family member now and I'm sorry to them, but I have a family member that when, when he was younger, he, potty training was fine, except for when it came to pooping. He refused to poop on the toilet for the longest time, I think probably close to five years old. So he would pee in the potty, no problem. But when it came time to pooping, he would go and hide behind something, squat down and do his business. Okay, fast forward many, 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 many years later, he now has a son that's doing the exact same thing. So the little one will actually like be playing or whatever, but the minute he needs to poop, he will be like, I need a diaper, I need a diaper. Like he's going to be four years old soon. He's like, I need a diaper, I need a diaper. He will not poop in the toilet. He will not poop in the body. Like what could be the cause of that and what could be a fix to that? Yeah, and that is probably the number one thing that I get messages, comments, like parents like emailing me out of like pure, like I have nowhere else to go. What do I do? My kid will not poop on the potty. And it can be coming from a couple different avenues. A lot of times there is that instability when kids are on the potty and when you're pooping and you have to push if their feet are dangling at all, or they're not with a smaller potty seat, they could truly feel like, and possibly fall in the potty, you know, if they are not in a proper supported sitting position. So I always recommend if parents haven't yet getting one of those potties, that's going to make them feel comfortable and supported in that process. But another issue is the constipation for a lot of kids. It really does hurt to poop. And I think when they can get themselves like crouched down in the corner and pressing, they just feel more comfortable with it because a lot of Americans are not getting enough water. We want, you know, our toddlers drinking at least four cups of water a day, which 
for some kids, they don't drink any, you know, a lot of families I talk to, they have milk, they have juice, but there's no true water intake. And it's super important to soften our stools, to be able to slide out easier without causing pain to have water intake, even more than fiber, you know, fiber, we want fiber about, I think it's like five to 10 grams, you know, that they recommend for kids to be having to keep those, you know, stools moving through. But I think a big issue is constipation in, especially our country. I don't know about, you know, other countries diets, but here in America, I know we are not getting a lot of good fruits and vegetables often and water intake. So that's another good place to start if that's going on. Once we're already in that issue and it's already started and that fear and anxieties are already there, it's important again to not punish our children for, you know, the emotions that they're having and having a conversation. Cause I think we, you know, a lot of times don't give kids credit on how smart and knowledgeable they truly are. And just having a conversation of what, what's so scary. Are you scared of the potty? Oh, what do you think is so scary? Is it, is it the flush, you know, give them time to process and see what they come up with. Okay. Yeah. That flushing noise is really louder. I'm afraid I'm going to fall in the potty. Well, where is my poop going? I don't, you know, I don't like the thought of losing a part of my body in the the toilet. And if they can express those fears, then as a parent, you can be like, oh, okay, this is where it's coming from. And every parent knows their child best. Is it going to work through? Okay. Let's watch an episode of Daniel Tiger about how he goes pottying. Let's get this potty book that has a dinosaur because my kid's loving dinosaurs right now, you know, and catering to your child on what their interests might be, but really getting to their root cause of their fears and anxieties and, and letting them express them to you in an open manner in a non judgmental punishing way might help them open those doors of like, okay, this really isn't that scary or okay. Mm -hmm. Now dad's able to explain to me why that is. And now I feel, I feel more confident with it and I can get there. Okay, so you touched on my next question, but can we get into some more, like, are there more practical ways to help a child get excited about potty training? I know you just mentioned, like, getting the books and that kind of thing. What other ways can we get a child, like, into it and excited and, I want to say, like, intrinsically motivated to do this because they're so proud of themselves for, you know, yeah, being able to. For sure, and I definitely think, you know, books and shows and songs and things like that are really fun experiences. Also bringing your kids in the bathroom with you, you know, letting them see that this is like an easy thing that all adults do this. You know, we sit, we wipe, we wash our hands, you know, and letting them, Oh, do you want to help mom flush the potty? Oh, thank you. You're so helpful, you know, and letting them be a part of the process as much as possible leading up to it. And a lot of families love reward charts. I'm here for it. If that's going to be beneficial for your kid. My biggest thing with the reward charts is just not rewarding them just for sitting. Um, is like truly, you know, we get a Hershey kiss if we poop and if we pee, we get an M&M, you know, there's, there's different little rewards. A lot of families don't like using the candy route. And so that's when like stickers or little figurines, like mini animal shaped erasers, you know, things like that, that they can get to add as like a small little reward for going that don't always have to be candy based, but it's a big motivator for a lot of kiddos. And I have some families that work their way up to a bigger goal once they've already started potty training. Like, oh, once we get 10 stars on our thing, we can get our brand new like training bike or we can get that brand new 
American girl doll that you wanted, you know, whatever it may be that, I don't know if that just aged me with the American girl doll. <laughs> That's still a thing or not, but that was like all I wanted as a child was an American girl doll. So, you know, finding what's motivating for your kid and getting them excited about that process of like, wow, there's prizes in this, but you know, that can be more external. And so I think the internal really comes from watching their parents and watching the characters that they like truly love in their shows and their books, being excited and motivated by it too. And letting them know like, this is not a scary thing. This is just what we do. Awesome. Do you have any other words of wisdom for families who are potty training or getting ready to potty train or have issues like I know sometimes it's almost like a power struggle with little ones who just point blank refuse to get into the potty training thing any words of wisdom for yeah and I think the biggest thing is give yourself grace and give your child grace and really you know remember that they really are just a small human and they're not doing this to purposely make you mad they are not doing it to you know, be against you. Kids really don't have that capability as much as we think like, you know, they pulled that thing off the wall to make me mad. They did pull that off the wall, but it was more about an attention thing rather than to make you mad. So I think giving you and your child grace through this process, because as much as, you know, we experts like to say the three-day method is going to work for you, you know, it doesn't always work for everybody, especially that first time. And so going into it with, open heart, open mind about what's going on. And if it's not working and your kid is truly like, no, they might not be ready. You know, if they are fighting up in arms and you're trying to put them on that potty and they are screaming bloody murder, you know, they might just not be ready and have that confidence and internal motivation yet. So going back to the first step of how can I get my kid interested and motivated and take that pressure off of them and just start talking about external people. You know what? You know who has trouble going to the potty? My toy, like zebra, or, Mm -hmm. you know, grandma told me that she's been having problems learning how to go on the potty. And they might think that's funny. Like what? It's like, yeah, she can't go on the potty. Can you help grandma figure out how she goes in the potty? How does that process work? And kids are so motivated by the fact that they can help somebody else through something. And even just that little thing might give them enough confidence to be like, wow, I helped someone do that. Okay. Yeah, that is how it works. And, you know, as they sleep at night and their days go on, that might just set into their little brains a little bit more of that process for themselves speaking Mm -hmm. it out loud to somebody else. So if they're really struggling, you know, take a step back, take a breather, take the pressure off and maybe let them help train one of their toys, a family member, somebody else on the process and see if they can build that confidence in themselves once they start helping somebody else through it. Last question for you. How can our listeners reach you? Where can they reach you? Where can they find you? Yes, I am on TikTok and Instagram as your pediatric OT on both of those platforms. I don't have anybody working for me. So it is just me. It's really me answering your emails and your DMs and messages. Um, I'm the face behind it all. So if you're messaging me and I don't get back to you, I apologize. I do work full time as an occupational therapist. And this is just kind of a fun side thing that I started to help listeners on there. So If you're messaging me, I would love for you to reach out and I will get back to you as quickly as possible. I also have an email that is listed in the bio on my TikTok page, which is amandamathersot at gmail.com. 
those are really personal ways to reach out to me because we can really message each other back and forth mm-hmm. on that platform of email as well. So that's another great way. I do do parent coaching, um, one-on-ones, phone calls, monthly packages we can work through. If you, you know, you're feeling like nobody else is helping me and I truly need like one-on-one weekly help with this, please reach out to me. I would love to be that person that you reach out to every week that is there to support you and lead you in the right direction with any of your questions. And if you're just getting started, I do have a little potty ebook um, for purchase. It's $25 and it kind of goes through all of the basics of potty training, readiness, what to purchase, you know, what you need and all of those steps, kind of like that three-day method broken down into simpler terms. So that might be a good place to start if you're like, we're just lost and don't know what else to do. Try starting there. And if you need more one-on-one help, then please send me a message and I would love to be that person for you. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for joining us today, Amanda. I really appreciate your time. This was such a great chat. I've learned so much and I'm sure the listeners have too. Awesome. I'm so happy I got to be a part of this. I love educating people on potty training on this little taboo topic that gets, you know, miss slipped under the rug and everyone is just kind of out there struggling with like, how do we do this? So I'm so happy to be a part of this and to help your listeners. Awesome. Thanks so much, Amanda. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the parenting. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any questions, feedback, or content suggestions, please us at Taryn at the parenting.com. Please remember to subscribe, like, 